Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Barflies, welcome to the Barfly Tailgate Show. You already know it's done by Barflies for Barflies and all the other Bears fans out there. As you can see, we're a little short-handed today. Uh, Bobby Bonds got the call uh, late last night that his wife had set him up with a boat date this morning because the Bears don't play today, so she did not expect him to have a show. Uh, so shout out to Bobby out there on the boat living his best life. Taking advantage of the end of summer before it all ends. Uh, I texted KB. I don't know if he worked last night or what he's got going on. He might join us later. If he does, you know, I'll add him in. Um, but it's the AC show today. And uh, I'm chilling here. Uh, we'll do our introductions and then we'll get into these cuts and uh, and talk about these waiver claims and stuff. So first and foremost, we're going to go across the pond to my man, C-Dub, Chris Watts. What's going on, brother? How was your week? How you doing, mate? Yeah, the week was the usual ducking and diving. You know me, try, just, just trying to survive through the week. But no, everything's good over here, mate. Even better about the uh, the Wildcats won yesterday, so go Cats. And uh, yes. it's always a joy to spend a Sunday afternoon chatting to you boys and telling you. So, uh, yeah, happy to be here, mate. And uh, it's always good to talk Bears football with you boys. Yeah, for, for sure. So uh, this week's show is going to be probably a little short. We're just going to talk about some of these roster moves that we made. Uh, uh, what's what's going on out west, Jordan? How's, how's your day going, brother? What's up? Hug. Good morning, AC. Good morning, C-Dub. As always, love hanging out with you fellas. Seven oh, nice. Seven oh four in the morning here. West Coast, best coast. I don't know. It feels like it feels like West Coast, worst coast. I feel like a real wanka for being up this early. <laughs> hey. But no, uh, always excited. You're, you're not a wanker, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> no, we get. Well, I'll tell you what, C-Dub. I assure you, we're gonna have a wanker coming in chat at some point today. So we'll we'll, we'll notify when we see him, but. Um, yes, I'm excited as always to talk Bears football with you all. And we're missing Bobby Bonds today. We're missing KB. But this is just like the old days where over the offseason where Bobby wasn't around, KB's at the firehouse. We're just going to make 
We're going to tape this together yeah. with duct tape, toothpicks, <laughs> straws. We'll make it work. Yep, yep. Definitely got plenty of duct tape around here in Kentucky. You know, they, they say if you can't duck it, then fuck it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. every week Stop. we have a drop that's brilliant we can't uh, duck it fuck it i've got to remember that one <laughs> see that's class <laughs> so uh we should probably get on track a little bit here uh <laughs> the bears made some roster moves this week um we we uh cut our we trimmed our roster down to 53 men. Uh, we ended up making the most waiver claims in the entire league. Uh, I would say that the largest one or most notable one, only because of where he was drafted at, is probably Alex Leatherwood, uh, the former Alabama offensive tackle um, Bednark Award winner, I believe. Isn't that the offensive line, or am I just messed that one up? I Outland Trophy. Trophy. Linebacker. Yeah. Is it, Trophy, right? Out, yeah, Outlander. Or out, Outlander. Now I'm talking about cars. Outland Trophy. <laughs> so, <laughs> or award-winning offensive tackle in college. He uh, was drafted highly by the Raiders, 17 overall, only six picks after Justin Fields was picked. And it seemed he struggled last year and then this year in their preseason. I don't know if he just wasn't a fit for Josh McDaniel's new system out there or what, but uh, they decided to cut ties with the former first-round pick. And we picked him up because he at least has potential. And uh, I, I, I want to hear your intake on this, Jordan, because I know you love your O-line. Um, I follow the SEC more than any other conference, so I knew of Leatherwood. Uh, I thought he was a little overdrafted for what he – what his skill set was in the league, um, but what's your what's your intake on this? What's what's your idea on this? I guess. I mean, we know he's he's no Luke Fortner or Darian Kennard or not <laughs> messing around, but uh, Alex Leatherwood to me is a, a great a great example of a player that unfortunately is more of a victim of the circumstances, and I wish that more individuals understood the context surrounding him. And the reason I say that is the kid doesn't choose where he's drafted. And I'm just, it's a little bit of a conspiracy or a speculation, but I also don't think that it's totally off. When you look at players that are, especially these young rookies, everybody wants to talk about how bad the Las Vegas, and I don't mean to turn this into the, the Vegas Raiders show, but I think it's important. This is all the context. This is why we're talking about it. When you consider all the rookies that every old man, Mike Bayock, those five years under him and Gruden were the worst. Where are you drafting these kids to? You're literally drafting these young kids to the Sin City where they're being granted all the money in the world. They're they're drinking. They're doing – you got the DUIs with Henry Ruggs, tragic. You had Damon Arnett with all types of firearms and saying he was going to kill people on social media. Now you have Leatherwood who's drafted into a place where – and he didn't have any off-the-field issues, but he doesn't control where he's drafted. He comes from all this success as a left tackle at one of the most – the most successful program in college football in the hardest division. 
he's probably to be fair and i'm not this is not revisionist history you can go look probably more of a second round talent tevin jenkins who we're all familiar with is very similar in this respect it was a situation where hey they're probably going to be drafted in the back half of the first round but don't be surprised if they land in the second and you have this weird scenario and this is where who knows how much of it is gruden and how much of it is mayock because there was a belief that in that power structure, John Gruden had 51%. Mayock, even though he was the GM, didn't have control. And especially at the top of the draft, when if it's Gruden's team and he maintains control, he's going to be the one saying, I want Leatherwood over a more accomplished player like Christian Darrisaw, who's looking like a great left tackle early on in Minnesota. Mm. So some of that's not his fault for landing there. But then it's just the context of understanding if Vaughn has just uh, a good question, is he better at guard or tackle? Well, this is the issue with his, tr- with his development. He's a left tackle at college. And look, our, our, our resident wanker is not here to talk about it, but he certainly would know. You move Panay Sewell, Detroit had the same problem. You're a left tackle in college, but no, you can't play left tackle here because we have Colton Miller or we have, uh, gosh, what, Taylor Decker. So I need you to now play right tackle. And anybody, I mean, go ask Duke Manyweather, go ask Brandon Thorne, go ask any offensive lineman, Jeff Schwartz, Mitchell Schwartz. A lot of people, and I don't mean to be so crude, but a lot of people say that when, and I guess I'll, I'll give you the PG rating and then I'll give you the rated R rating. Uh, really the reality is they say that when you're switching offensive line positions, your footwork has to change, your, your hand, your punching, all of that. And so it's like wiping your butt, the PG version, it's like wiping your butt with the other hand. The braided R version, it's like masturbating with the other hand. It's not comfortable. It's hard. So the situation is, hey, hey, Alex, you were award-winning left tackle, best program? Yeah, sorry, you're going to have to play right tackle for us. And then nobody understands this. I get it. I don't, I don't blame him. And a guy, uh, there's a guy on YouTube, San, Sanjeet or Sanjeet T, had a great video on this, really going in depth. The Raiders put him at right tackle. He played two games there, looked shaky. They didn't tell him that we believe in you. We have confidence in you. Let, let's let you weather the storm. Their guard went down, and they immediately said, oh, you suck at tackle. You just go play guard now. <laughs> and it was actually one of the first – I think it was the – he had been at guard a little bit, but the change took, took place full time actually when the Bears went to Vegas that week. Brandon Parker, tackle out of North Carolina A&T, stepped up at right tackle – it was a situation where we would rather play our right tackle two than play our guard three or four. And so they moved Leatherwood, forced him into right guard, said, let's play the second right tackle on a week's notice, couple weeks. And now you want to sit there and ask your young kid who's already been in a change, trying to learn the right side, trying to learn right tackle to now play guard. And you've heard Tevin Jenkins talk about this exact same situation this preseason, having to learn how to operate in a phone booth. Everything is real quick, fast, and tight. So I just have a real problem with the developmental track that the Raiders put him on. And it's all no to me, it's not a surprise when you all of a sudden hear reports that he's lost his confidence. Mm. He is somewhat disgruntled and feels like the team doesn't give him a fair shake or doesn't believe in him. So I think that the reality is I don't I, – I think that in some ways just scrap – and we can talk – I don't want to concede it to C-Dub or AC and C-Dub so that you can kind of film in or ask questions. But to me, I think that 
there's a lot of negativity surrounding the player from whether it be Bears fans or outside of it, of why would you take this chance on a guy and pay him six million dollars the day that you claim him on the wire on the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to wipe away and strip away that first year and understand the context around it because I don't think the kid was given a fair shot. Yeah, I definitely can agree no, gonna, with that. Go ahead, Chris. No, I mean, I agree a lot what what Jordan says. I mean, it very much sounds like the kid went through a bit of a, you know, Travis Jenkins sort of season like he had to go through where, you know, they were putting him in a position where he not really played very often, which always really sort of, I, don't, I can never understand why coaches do that. If you get somebody who's played for Alabama, who's been one of the top left, guy, uh, left tackles, sorry, in college, then that's that's the position you should be having him playing. I, you know, I mean, so it always baffles me uh, when, when coaches do that. But also, as well, is it's he's got he's got to have the quality to, to have played for Alabama in the first place at that you know as an offensive line because they're one of the top outs in college football. So um, it'd be interesting to see what they do. But really, I mean, I hope it, I hope. I think they brought him in for competition with the other guys, but I mean, I don't know sort of what you guys are sort of expecting, how many reps he might get, or what might be his final position on the line. It'd be, it'd be interesting for your viewpoints on that, fellas. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, when I saw him, like I said, I, I watched him in college, uh, and he looked really good at Alabama. But I feel like everyone looks really good at Alabama. Um, I think that comes <laughs> down to coach. So I would say I see him more as a guard um, just from what I've seen of him in the league. Uh, we apparently have really good teachers as coaches, so maybe they can get the best out of him, and who knows what he ends up being. But I'm a big fan of Braxton Jones at left tackle. I like leaving him there. Um, maybe if we can let Leatherwood just kind of redshirt this year, <clears throat> for lack of a better word. Uh, you got Cody Whitehair's contract coming up. Who knows what they're going to do with left guard. Uh, center, you're hoping Lucas Patrick can come back and solidify that. Right guard, I really like what Tevin Jenkins has done there. And even Ryan mm-hmm. Poles went on. Um, I think it was Hogan John's podcast. He interviewed with them and basically shut down the rumor mill of Tevin Jenkins. He was like, look, we had this guy in. Um, he was dealing with some things and then he's like, I didn't make any calls. All of a sudden we hear through the media that he was on the trade block. So the, the media has built this, uh, speculation around Tevin Jenkins. Um, and, and like Jordan said, as far as Larry Borum at right tackle, who knows how they feel about him because the day that Leatherwood got here, they stuck him there. And I don't know if that's just like a placeholder for them to see where he's at or, or, or what, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I, I think he's a, I think he's a guard. It'd be a good spot to watch when Cody Whitehair, what happens with him. But in the meantime, let him fight it out with Borm at right tackle at the very, at at the very least, you know, iron sharpens iron and you, and you're going to get the best player out there. I think. Well, I mean, something that you're talking about, AC, and this is the reality here is let's just uh, – Vaughn, I think, was the one asking, is he a guard or a tackle? Let's just look at the way that the team is built out right now and what 
and something I was advocating because I was on in Twitter at the time going, please, please, if you do nothing else, Ryan Poles, claim this guy off waivers just because of what it builds you to. It gives you the financial freedom to say, look, I understand you're paying him $6 million. That's a drop in the bucket of a hundred million plus cap next year. Even if they had to pay it to him this year, I believe the Bears had $15 million in cap. You're giving them six up front, fully guaranteed. It doesn't even hurt you too much this year. Even if you wanted to stretch it, it's an average of $2 million a year. That's literally nothing. And you get the freedom to say if he's good and you develop him, you get the control to go, I have you for the fifth year. So now you technically have him for four years if you want to elect to uh, exercise that option. But where does he fit? What is the plan? Something I wanted him wanted him for is, look, and this is assuming he didn't get claimed by a waiver. He would have been able to go wherever he wanted. But what I thought was best for Alex is go somewhere where they have a very strict plan for you, where they're going – Please come here because of X, Y, and Z. We know how we're going to use you. We know what we're going to do. And he didn't obviously get that. The Bears just said, this is where you are. But I'm hoping, and it sounds like with this staff, everything you've seen from how they've – and this isn't even just the Tevin Jenkins thing. They've somehow turned Tevin Jenkins' position change into a success story. They've somehow turned a fifth round. We can say whatever we want. Skokes is in the chat. He's president of the, of the Braxton Jones Club. Braxton Jones has actually been looking excellent, but I don't think anybody thought that he would be a starting left tackle in the league for any team mm-hmm. as a fifth rounder. There's a reason he was available there. And somehow he's risen to the occasion. Sam Mustafer looks like a more competent player. It's something that you're seeing throughout the entire offensive line room. And so that gives me hope that Chris Morgan is going to develop him. And as far as the roles or spots for him, Left tackle, I totally agree, AC. Braxton Jones is there. Why would you even mess with that? Right. That's your guy. That's your – and here's the thing. he may, They may have selected Leatherwood on the waivers, but Poles picked Braxton Jones specifically. That was his first offensive lineman uh, draft pick. So I don't think he's going anywhere there. Cody Whitehair, to be frank, I, I, you'll notice I didn't include him as a guy that's looked sterling and amazing in preseason. He's a guy that I've actually been a little bit underwhelmed by. I don't think he's been not a problem, not a headache, but I, how does Tevin Jenkins, and I get it, it's a talent thing, but Tevin Jenkins goes to right guard and he's pushing people off the line. He's burying dudes. You, you'll notice nobody was telling you that about Cody Whitehair. So that already brings an opportunity to say you're older. You're really here because of the contract, we couldn't get rid of you. And we need bodies. So there's a position where left guard could be an option. And if Alex Leatherwood feels more comfortable on the left, doesn't have to retrain his whole body, that's an option. He's not playing center. We understand that. Not, not, a, not a guy. You've got Lucas Patrick. You've got Mustafer. He's not snapped. Probably not going to happen. Right guard, sure. I won't even rule that out. If Tevin Jenkins were to somehow get injured or they just decided, hey, Tevin can play tackle now because he's you know, got his confidence back, you could put him at right guard. But I really think that it's telling that in and it's look, it's one practice. But his first day as a bear, they asked him where were you playing? And he was lining up at right tackle. Which to me, I don't think as much as we can say that it's just happenstance, I don't believe that this coaching staff ever does anything happenstance. I just don't. I think that there's always a plan, there's always making the best use of somebody's time. So I think that it was very clear of yes, we're gonna try it out. And if it looks bad at right tackle, then I guess we will find out if he can play guard. 
But I tend to think that this is a move where he's got all the length, all the talent, athletics, everything that you'd want out of your tackle. So can we strip him down to the studs? And this is to your point, AC, of can we medically, not medically, but I guess redshirt him in the sense. Mm -hmm. I would like to see them tear him down to the studs. Let's build you back from ground zero. Let's instill confidence in you. His issues as a tackle last year and as a guard were all technique-based. Really, it's some of it's footwork, but a lot of it is actual hand placement and punching and getting put out of position. And if you can really strip that down, build confidence, build his technique up, and then unleash him ideally next year, that's best case because that means that you didn't have a problem with your offensive line this year. Left guard, right guard, right tackle, all of those played well enough that you didn't have to rush him in. But he may also, let's not put a ceiling on the kid. He may be in the right position, situation where Chris Morgan coaches him up. And by week nine, and I like Larry Borum. That's why I, I'm a little hesitant to say he'd overtake Larry Borum. But mm-hmm. there may be a situation by week nine, week 10. Chris Morgan's got him really rebuilt. And the reason I say week nine, week 10 is we've seen Justin Fields, and I don't know how many Bears fans want to talk about this, but Justin Fields had to really be stripped down to the core last this offseason because he had a year of bad habits built by Matt Nagy, had to rework his footwork, his timing, his drops, his delivery, his – I mean, we're talking about he's even switching his stance and shotgun from one lead leg to the other. They had to strip him down to nothing and then rebuild it, and we've seen it to where it's not perfect. Justin Fields has a lot of room, a lot of room left to grow. But in the course of what? I mean, offseason starts in like March. So in six months, you've seen him really take a turnaround, and he had to do a lot more. That's quarterback. Offense, cadence, playbook, chemistry, receivers, the whole deal. Leatherwood theoretically shouldn't have to go undergo such a huge developmental change to where if you were to strip him down and build him up with this coaching staff, understanding that Chris Morgan has built, been able to build so many guys successfully, Mustafer Jenkins, Borm, et cetera, then you may be able to see a guy like Leatherwood come in in week nine or week 10 and look like a whole new player. Sorry, I know that's long-winded, but I think that's really how I would approach it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that that's what I want. Like, as soon as we signed mm-hmm. Leatherwood, Jordan, you were the first person that came to my mind because – I know how passionate you are about the trenches, and I, I, I'm really glad that I was able to get your uh, long-winded assessment of the situation because, I, you know, I, I'm not – sometimes I'm long-winded, but I don't really articulate it as well as you. You know what I'm saying? The way you just broke it down there and mm-hmm. kind of um, put him in, where his best fit would be and even talked about the coaching. I think that was perfect. Uh, Chris, is there anything else you wanted to put on, put a cherry on this before we move on to some of these other claims or cuts? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just got to think as well that, you know, Paul was an offensive lineman. So you just got Mm -hmm. to think that, you know, it's got to be in his DNA to, to know what to look out for for a good player. And I also think as well, just because you get to the NFL, it doesn't mean that a player still can't get better and better and better and improve with like better coaching and being in a better situation. And you know, if it's like the better position, what you know, if it's more of a natural position for the guy to play. So, I mean, I, 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 I was quite happy we, uh, we did all that, 
you know, I'm quite happy we picked him up. I was also just just a quick question is I know like at the start of the show, AC, you said the Bears picked up the most players in through waivers. What what would that what does that sort of mean and what does that sort of tell you? Well, it tells me that this this roster as a whole is in flux. And it's something that we kind of already knew going into this. Right. Was that there was going to be movement on this roster. I mean, if anything can tell you that, it's trading Khalil Mack on day one. You know, <laughs> they, they, yeah. they, weren't, yeah, they weren't planning on um, trying to plug holes and move forward. They were literally, and they didn't call it a rebuild because they still believe in fields. Um, but it's mm. kind of a retool, but they're tearing it down to the studs. And those studs are Justin yeah. Fields, uh, I believe, Darnell Mooney. Um, looks like Cole Komet, perhaps, because they seem to trust him a lot and giving him a lot of chance, every chance to succeed or fail. Um, Johnson, right. Smith. On defense, you got Johnson and Smith, and um, I'm trying to think. I guess the draft picks, you know, the, the, those would be the, the studs that they're going to build off of on defense. Uh, but that's that's my biggest thing is if we have the most waiver claims in the entire league, it's because this roster is in such a, an influx of talent, just changing the guard almost. Right, and I would say the next. <clears throat> I'd say the next biggest name was uh, Armand Watts, who we picked up from Minnesota. Um, Jordan, again, you've talked about the three technique on this defense, and that seems to be the best spot for him to fit. Uh, they actually waived Mario Edwards almost to make room for him. I guess you would say, um, which. Greg Gabriel's show might be interesting there because he's talked a lot about Mario Edwards um, and I guess how he trusts him to play that three technique more than anyone else on the roster. Uh, I don't know much about the guy, honestly, before we picked him up. Former sixth-round pick. Um, they basically said he was cut because of a scheme fit because Minnesota's switching to a 3-4 scheme over there and – kind of works out for us because we're doing the opposite going from a three four to a four three uh so we we picked him up and he's got good size and strength i think he had like five sacks last year or something like that um and i'm really excited to see how he comes in and takes on this d-line and continues growing it unfortunately we lost tonga because of it as well kairos tonga got cut and he was having a good off season good camp and stuff, but uh, he's probably, I haven't seen if he's a guy who made it through waivers to get to the practice squad or, or how that's working out. But uh, it's, it's definitely a, a big, a big pickup to help our defensive line. We definitely need pass rush. So. Yeah. Tonga, uh, Tonga didn't get picked up. I mean, when you're waived, you essentially have that one business day to be claimed. And I don't believe anybody claimed him. So he'd be free to come back. But this is just, I mean, something that really it's as sensible as the Minnesota Vikings played a 4-3 defense, what the Bears are now running. They're moving to a 3-4. You need space eaters, big guys, four eyes, five techs, zero techs, nose guards. This guy doesn't fit the scheme. 
everybody wants to say he was going to be a starter. Yeah, maybe in the same scheme, but just because he was listed there, it comes down to the problem of, no, we need guys like Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson, and they had Michael Pierce, but now he's back in Baltimore. You need big bodies, not a penetrating interior defensive lineman that's looking to get upfield and be disruptive. And so that's why I think you saw him hit the waiver wire because this is – and this isn't just him. The Vikings cut everybody. They cut like multiple top 100 picks from last year, especially in that defense. Sage, uh, not Sage Surratt, Chaz Surratt, the brother of Sage. Uh, Chaz Surratt of North Carolina linebacker was a top 100 pick. Got cut, and now he's on the Jets uh, practice squad because it doesn't fit anymore in that scheme. And so mm-hmm. Armand Watts now comes over to a scheme that's more familiar. Uh, and then Kairos Tonga is unfortunately a victim of that transaction. And the reason for it is – and I, as much as I like Tonga, I, I understand the move. When you AC, you talk about it, Mario Edwards is not there. Who's your backup three tech? And that's not a shot at Justin Jones, but Justin Jones is a, th- a third round pick. He's been inconsistent as far as he's been injured. He has on and off plays when he's been able to play. And he's been in, in Los Angeles under Gus, Gus Bradley. He was in this same even front attacking one gap defense. So you're buying yourself insurance on a low risk opportunity from a guy that was productive with five sacks last year. And you're asking him if Justin Jones were to get hurt or he's, you know, kind of cold, can we put you in and can you be a spark plug for us? And that's what he's capable of doing is he's going to be, I don't want to say he's Ogan Joby, but it's the same idea. And so what you're looking for in this defense is you're looking for that three tech to charge up field, play the run to the pass but they are just trying to bust through the backfield and create mayhem in whatever way possible. And I think that Armand Watts is explosive enough to do that, where that was where you're subbing out a Tonga, who's much more of a nose tackle in a 3-4 or a one technique, where his job is to hold up two blockers and then ask a Justin Jones to come in or a Roquan Smith as the will to come in and clean up on the backside of the play. And I think all you're doing is saying, okay, we're going to send off a one technique in Tonga because we have Mike Pennell and uh, who's the other nose tackle that they have? Oh, Angelo Blackson that they're probably going to play there. And then we will just sit there and take this opportunity on a guy who's Tonga is, I like Tonga, but he hadn't been productive. Good player for a seventh round pick, right. but the opportunity to go get Armand Watts, who's actually productive last year. Mm-hmm. There's, there's little and this is goes to the leatherwood point this goes to armand watts and i'll speak a little bit to it ac with your questions about uh maybe it was chris who was saying like what do we think about this constant movement of shifting the roster i think it's totally necessary ac did you put it well they're not necessarily rebuilding because they have these few poor tenets of fields and commit and all these other players but the bottom of the roster needs talent there's a reason why when they're waving Tonga and Snowden and LaCale London and trying to think of some of the other guys that were cut, guess what? LaCale London's not playing on an NFL roster right now. Neither is Charles Snowden. Neither is Tonga. Mm-hmm. These are all guys. I mean, Bo Peak Keys, uh, you know, these players that they cut didn't get picked up on a waiver or after the fact. So you need to churn this roster over to try and find real talent to fill the bottom of it. And I love the moves to say, okay, look, let's try to sub in a productive arm on Watts in exchange for a Tonga. 
let's go ahead and try to inherit an Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa from the Vikings and see if he can make magic with fields. And we'll go ahead and move off of, you know, Tajay Sharps on IR, but guys of that that ilk. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, I mean, you, what did you think of this yeah, week, Chris? Yeah, I, so, so, sorry, AC. I was being very unprofessional there. When I, uh, no, I mean, um, no, I, I, I agree, man. I mean, it just feels like we're, we're sort of leveling up the bottom of, of the roster from, you know, low round picks and maybe some low free agencies, what we've grasped over the last sort of couple of years. And we're slowly building up the whole quality of the squad. And that's obviously that's going to inject more competition for places. And obviously, hopefully, it's going to rise the quality of the team. Uh, so we get, you know, obviously the end results is to win more games than that we won last year. So uh, yeah, I, c- I can see, uh, I can see the logic completely what the uh, what the GM and the coaches are doing. Really, they're sort of getting getting rid of all that extra, you know, the extra weight, the excess excess baggage, and then you know, getting as lean and getting as uh, a higher level in quality players so we can compete better. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely yeah. trying to raise the floor of the roster. And uh, which is what you want to do as GM, you know, you want the you want the best possible players, regardless mm. of your ties to them. Uh, although I know when the first roster came out, uh, almost all of his draft picks made the roster, other than Kramer, who's on IR. I guess that's right. Yeah, so he's um, at least he hasn't given up on anybody a month into the season, which I guess is. Probably a good thing that you don't have an indecisive GM who makes uh, he makes moves without uh, he makes moves thoughtful moves. With, he doesn't just you know what I'm saying pull levers and get this guy in here. Yeah, that's fine. Move mm-hmm. on from that guy. <clears throat> One of the biggest criticisms I've heard from this offseason with my work at Mental Dimes. Um, if you guys like want to check out my work, I work with MentalDimes.com. I'm the lead NFL writer over there, but I have a show every Wednesday that I do with my guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was at a football game yesterday, so if my voice cracks in and out, I apologize. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So my guy, Corey, and I, we do an NFL show every Wednesday, and one of the biggest concerns I hear from outside of Chicago, outside of the ballroom, is the lack of weapons for Justin Fields to help him succeed. Uh, we did pick up a wide receiver, also from Minnesota, um, Amir Smith-Marset, who is a former Iowa Hawkeye. Um, I'm trying to look for his size. Uh, he had a 4-4-3. Okay, so he's got decent size. Um, yeah. He ran a 4-4-3, so he's not like a 4-3 guy, but he's got – Pretty good speed. Um, I don't look for him to be a number one or a number two, but he is another piece that could help. <clears throat> that could help Justin Fields continue to ascend to the role of franchise quarterback that we're all hopeful for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Yes, uh, so, so, sorry, uh, Jordan. Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think obviously with the uh, with the wide receiver group, we do have a lot of injuries as well. With Pringles, uh, I, I always thought they were going to bring an extra body in anyway. Uh, but didn't this player 
did he play some like six games and then he had like a really big standout game? Is that is that correct from he last got, season? He got us pretty good. I think he had two touchdowns. Yeah, on the Bears, like, was it last year? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some of that. You know, he had like uh, a couple of quiet games, and he had like one big standout game um, through you know last year. So I just think it's like like it's more competition for the wide receiver group, and also it's another body because uh, you know we are quite lean in numbers of uh, guys That's which are healthy. Dropping like flies. Yeah, and the season <laughs> starts next. What well, starts on Thursday? So it's not like we've got like another month for training camp for players to get ready. No, we need to get bodies in now. So, yeah, I knew we were going to get a wide receiver. I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about the guy. I'm I'm so impressed that AC managed to say his name. That was a good one, AC. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just I just I just think he's just been brought in just for an extra body and a bit more competition with the with the wide receiver group. Yeah, I was able to um, uh, pronounce his name, but but my experience with Chicago ones, I don't know if they'll be able to. Uh, my father-in-law's from Chicago. He still doesn't know how to say Trubisky. He's like Trubinsky. <laughs> you got any thoughts on this signing, Jordan? Or uh... yeah, I, you know. So I mean, for for those that can't say it's Amir Smith Marset. If you don't like that, call him ISM or call him. I mean, ism. <laughs> but uh, Iowa Iowa Hawkeye, as you said, six one one eighty five four four speed. Pretty solid route runner. I'm not trying to tell you he's Keenan Allen or, or any guy that's really super. He's not Darnell Mooney running routes, Dante Pettis, but pretty good route runner, an electric playmaker, trustable. I mean, they trusted him to return kicks at the college level as well as in the NFL. That was really what he was doing, was returning some kicks last year as the wide receiver four, wide receiver five for the Vikings. Fifth round pick. And the guy I kind of comped him to, and it's funny because I'll pull out a pass comp and I'll pull one that just happened this draft season. Uh, he reminded me a lot of Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota that just went to the Texans, just got cut from the Bucks. A player that he's much lighter and a little bit more explosive, so that part doesn't – and this is why comps are just – to kind of give you a rendition, it's not an imitation directly, but mm-hmm. a guy that can play inside and out – a good route runner finds a way to get open and then can make some plays after the catch. And I think that this just goes back to the point of if you have an opportunity to potentially raise the floor of the roster, what is the harm in taking as many swings as you can? If it's Leatherwood, if it's Watts, if it's Weatherford, if it's Amir Smith Marset, swing and swing and swing. Because Smith Marset is a fifth round pick who is a pretty solid playmaker at Iowa, is probably better than an Isaiah Coulter, is probably better than an Asimba Webster. So take those swings as opposed to elevating those guys up from the practice squad. And then the last thing I'd say is the comp, current comp I had from him, and it's kind of popped in my head, but I think it's pretty apropos, is. A guy that I really was hoping the Bears would have selected at 148 when he was there was Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. And Amir Smith-Marset is also very similar in that respect. Can play inside, can play outside, is deceptively fast. A lot of people feel like Amir Smith-Marset was slow. And when you watch him, I see explosiveness, I see speed on the field. And kind of a like 
a little bit of a, a jitterbug, if you will, a spark plug, a guy that can generate some jukes and moves to get extra yards. And I think that that is very similar to what Khalil Shakir looks like in Buffalo already, what he did in Boise State. And I guess Khalil Shakir, if I had to give him a little bit of a props to why I like him so much, is he's very physical, um, even with his size, plays bigger than that. And I don't think Smith-Marset has that part of the game, but I certainly think that he can be a playmaker for Fields. Yeah, another thing to look at with uh, speed, when you're when you're talking about speed, I've heard um, Greg Gabriel, to go back to him again, talk about a wide receiver like a Kevin White might run a, a 4-3-40, but if you have concepts that make them think a lot, you know, so so – it seems like our concept, our concepts under Getze are kind of simple, mm-hmm. but uh, but effective. So, if you have a guy who's out there thinking a lot, that might turn that four three speed into like a four five speed. You know, and every mm-hmm. second helps, especially in this league, <laughs> the the speed that these DBs oh. are now. Um, so I definitely I, I like the pickup. I don't like I said, I don't think he's gonna come in and overtake Darnell Mooney for wide receiver one or anything like that. Make no mistake about it. But he's definitely just like Chris said earlier, we're raising the floor on this roster. Uh and you know, rising tides raise ships, I think is the saying or something to that effect. <laughs> rising tides raise all boats. That's it. That a boy just yeah, what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I've never heard that said in my life, AC. <laughs> well, as I as I'll tell C Dub, the like time, right? As I'll tell C Dub because he understands. Sorry, this, no, no, no. This language, we're uh, we're just blagging it over here, Chris Watts. We are, we're, we're, we're ducking it till we fuck it. We're, you know. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're blagging. Yeah. Throwing shit at the wall yeah. and see if it sticks, right? That's an old school AC saying. Yeah. But, yeah, man. I mean, basically, you just talked about my whole adult life is the black. <laughs> so for AC, who's probably like, what the hell are they talking about? Blagging <laughs> is uh, bullshitting, but yep. in, Eng- in, in London English, it's, oh, okay. you're a bullshitter. No, you're a blagger. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I've yeah. made my so, so, I've made my podcasting career on the uh, art of blagging, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did you did a good job there. You've always sounded like you know what you're on about. Hey, at least you say it with confidence <laughs> and you just hope. <laughs> hey, that's all I do, mate. That's all I do when I talk to you guys. <laughs> so uh we'll move on to another guy that I'm a little – I you know, I only saw a few highlights of this guy and read his um, – <clears throat> excuse me, his preseason uh, statistics, but it's linebacker Sterling Weatherford. He is a converted safety uh, that we plucked from the Colts, and apparently Chris Ballard was not happy that that guy did not make it through waivers to get back to his practice squad. So that's a, another feather in the cap for old Poles over there. And uh, I like the way he fits this defense – coming from the Colts system. I'm not sure if they'll play him inside or outside, but uh, he's a speedy linebacker. He ran a 4-5. He's a tackling machine. I saw um, someone put up tape of him on Twitter 
and the way he just fills the gap and closes space on on uh, ball carriers is really it was really well done from what I saw. Um, he's at the very least he's a special teams guy. You know, uh, running a running a four three defense, you're gonna have extra linebackers on your special teams, which is linebackers and safeties. I feel like are very important on special teams because they mm-hmm. are quick and tackling in space is a big thing. Um, so I really like this pickup. I'm not sure exactly where he fits or if they've came out and said, yes, he's gonna be a Mike or he's gonna be a Will or a Sam, but. I really like the pickup just – and, again, raising the floor of this roster. I I, I guess we're going to – I'm going to continue to say this in this show because that's what all these moves did, I feel like. Uh, they, they had a tryout period through the preseason, and they felt like these guys were better, so they're bringing them in and sending those guys out the door and turning over this roster in Ryan Poles' vision. What do you think, Jordan? I'll let you go first, and then we'll then we'll talk to Chris about it. And yeah, Weatherford to... Weatherford's a very interesting prospect guy that I liked because I mean anybody that watched us earlier in the summer when it was just C- AC and CW and myself is uh, Kyle Hamilton was my number one prospect in the draft. I love the kid, and I love what that build is and that safety. Now, I mean something that a lot of people have complained about is Kyle Hamilton doesn't look good in the open field in space. What are they going to do with him? Sterling Weatherford, by all accounts, is that same type of player, measurables, testing, things of that sort. And they've decided you don't have long speed. We can't have you at four, five, four, six at safety. So let's just move you in that big six, three, two twenty-five body down into the box. And you can be a dimebacker, you can play a little bit of nickel against bigger tight ends. You can fill in at and let me be very clear. I am not calling him Brian Urlacher. I don't know if anybody will ever be Brian Urlacher. But it's very interesting in that same respect that he's a college safety who's 6'4", 220-ish. Six, I mean, I think he's 6'3", but it's close. And then he has to transition to linebacker in a system that really benefited Brian Urlacher. I could see a player like him – not to, like that's what I'm saying. I'm not even telling you the, the production is going to be Erlocker, but right. a player like him having a role and having some bigger success than you would expect from a guy of his pedigree because of the body type, because of the instinctive nature of his play. He's very instinctive. I mean, AC, you were talking about that Twitter clip you saw of him fitting the run. Understands how to operate in space, understands how to play in traffic in the box understands how to read plays is very instinctive. That comes from being a safety when the entire field is in front of you and you have to quickly dissect what's going on. I think that he could be your middle Tampa two runner. I think that when you're in dime and you want an athletic body that can tackle, he can play there. I under, he could probably play Sam. I don't know if I'd necessarily put him there, but um, I think that certainly going to be a gunner on special teams. And then you look at him and I think his position could potentially be a mic on specialized situations and potentially a Sam. If for some reason you wanted to go light the, the thing there is I don't want to make it sound like he's incapable of playing Sam, but traditionally your Sam is supposed to be a hulking run fitter mm. and he can fit the run, but we're talking about the safety. 
transitioning down to around 230 to probably hopefully getting up to 240 as a linebacker. But you typically want these big brick shit houses, a la jo, uh, Joe Thomas, who's now on the practice squad. I'm thinking of some other. I mean, Hunter Hillenmeyer was a Sam. Right. You go down the list of these big backers that fit the run, and they're the ones eating up blocks so that Roquan and the Mike can chase it down from the backside with their speed and clean it up. Yeah, go ahead, Chris, if you got anything to say on this on this signing. Yeah, I mean the main the main the main sort of positive things I I sort of thinking about is that he's all he's you know Paul's has already coached the guy, so it's it's that it's that continuity as well where you know Paul's knows what what he, this guy can bring to the game, and it'd be quite interesting to see him on the field with Brisker I think because I think Brisker's going to play in the box quite a bit, so um, you know I think I think he's he's there for a bit of a scheme fit with Paul's defense, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm a sort of a big. I think like any sort of positive continuity, I'm always up for that because, um, especially in NFL where things chop and change so much with rosters, that um, that you know that can only be a benefit for the, the player and the coaches. Yeah, yeah. Th- I mean, they probably scouted this guy going into the draft and liked what they saw, so they were like, they tagged him as a guy that if he gets cut, that's a guy we're going to go after. Um, I also, before we move on from linebacker, I'm really happy to see that Jack Sanborn made this roster. Mm-hmm. I think he came in the preseason with something yes. to prove, and he proved it. Um, tackling machine, getting turnovers. I'm really excited to see him continue to ascend and get better each week. Um, I, I'm just really glad they didn't want because I feel like Jack Sanborn would have been our version of this Sterling Weatherford. Uh, had uh, when I first saw him week one, um, I texted out. I was like, "Wow, this uh, Sanborn's flying around." And he was like, "Yeah, I think he might be a practice squad guy." And I was like, "I, I don't think he's getting through waivers, bud. The way he's playing." And then he just continued to play, play good and play play well. And uh, I'm definitely glad that we got both those guys in our linebacker room. Um, they got a lot to learn from. Um, hopefully, Roquan is. Uh, taking them in, showing them, you know, this is how we watch tape. This is how we prepare. At the very least, these guys are learning how to be NFL linebackers from experienced NFL linebackers, and they'll just continue to grow and get better in that sense. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'd finally say with Weatherford is let's also not forget that Ryan Poles has a relationship with Chris Ballard going back to his time in Kansas City, and then the direct fit – Eberflus and all of his staff came from that. They haven't changed the defense up. Actually, what they've been trying to do and build continuity there in Indianapolis is they actually brought in Gus Bradley as another guy that runs an even front, four down, four three defense, cover three, a lot of single high. Now, of course, Eberflus switches it up more than that, but the direct fit and understanding of that guy there comes from your relationship with Chris Bauer, who's a great talent identifier and evaluator. And then coming to a situation where, look, he's already playing in a 4-3 all of summer. This isn't going to change a lot for him coming over into our system, and it's a fit. Yeah, then we'll move on with some of these other signings. Um, Trevon Wesco uh, from the New York Jets is a blocking tight end, fullback, hybrid type player. Um, I feel like we're going to see a lot of running the ball this year. 
running the ball, yeah, I do. setting up play action, obviously, uh, getting fields out on rollouts. And in those type of schemes, you definitely need as many blockers as you can get. Um, so I like the pickup. I don't know how coveted he was. I haven't looked to see what any of his preseason st- statistics were or anything like that. Um, so I, I don't have a clue about this guy other than he's a big blocking tight end, honestly. Do you do you have any information on him, Jordan? Or uh, Yeah, I, so was coming out and went, and as soon as I say this, I forget the school he went to, but he was coming out and was around a fifth or sixth round pick projection. As you said, a blocking guy. I actually think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. I'm not telling you he's Darren Waller, but he can move a little bit. You don't you don't play tight end and you don't stick uh, on the NFL and have as many waiver claims as he was the guy that had the most waiver claims in the entire uh, cut procedure. If you don't move a little bit, what I think he fits best at is we all know what this offense look like in a perfect world. You would almost just replicate whatever Shanahan's doing in San Francisco and put it here. Now that's a different story of whether or not it's going to look like that, but the same concepts, you're going to be playing a lot of heavy personnel, 12, 13, you know, 22 personnel, things of that sort, where you may sit there and go, okay, we're going to have Blasingame as our fullback. We've got to have Komet. Komet's a good blocker, but I wouldn't tell you he's dominating people with the blocking. And they look like they're going to eat him as a receiver. Ryan Griffin could probably get down a little bit too, but who's really going to be the heavy body pusher that gets displacement in the run game? And that's what Wesco can do is Wesco can be that guy that, uh, you know, J-Rock puts up a good he's that extra tackle. It's not quite that, but if you remember uh, Sowell, Bradley Sowell was a guy that was a tackle that they tried to con- uh, commit or change oh, over to a tight end. It's that similar role where can we get this big guy that moves people and he can leak out and be a little safety valve outlet for Justin Fields, and I think that that's really going to be his role. Definitely sounds good. You got anything on this, Chris, or are we ready to move on? I, I think we're ready to move on, mate. I, I'm like you, see, I, I know very little about the guy, but just uh, just for what Jordan says, I think it's just another extra cog in a wheel, isn't it? I mean, are we still got a fullback on the roster? We have, haven't yeah. we? So, yeah, so we've still got the fullback. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Komet's going to be used quite spread out quite a lot this year. So, um, but also, if we are going to run the ball, we do need that that thumping, blocking tight end. So uh, yeah, see what he does, mate. See what he does, and like 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 Jordan says, he you know he must be a, you know he must be a decent athlete to to get all them waiver requests. Uh, you know, it could be it's like it's like we've been saying all this program. It's just bringing up that level of the squad up again. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be. I'm not sure what you said there, Chris. You were kind of skipping out. Um, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, we've we it also signed another deep. You know me, but I think you know me, mate. I think we probably want a bit more bollocks anyway. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> bollocks, wanker, duck it or fuck it. We're on a roll. Yeah, all kinds. Of- well, I've, I've actually, I've actually got a new one. I've got a new word for you. Is tosser. So I'm going to try and fit in the word tosser somehow into the conversation today, if not next week. So that's my new word of the week for you. Yeah, okay. It's tosser, which that's is a lot awesome. like wanker. 
A tosser to me sounds like a, a badass a tosser, lineman. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so so we'll move on. Uh, we signed uh, Kingsley Jonathan, a defensive end from Buffalo, uh, former undrafted free agent with pretty good size. He's six four, two sixty. Um, with the Bills signing, <clears throat> excuse me, Vaughn Miller and Shaq Lawson to their defensive lineman. He was just kind of an odd man out as an undrafted free agent. He kind of had the the deck stacked against him to begin with. Um, I don't know much about him either, honestly. Maybe he's a guy who we just brought in for depth. I know Iberflus talked about, I think when he first came in, about having eight or nine rotational pieces along the defensive line. Uh, Maybe he's one of those guys. Maybe he's going to fight with Dominic Robinson for, you know, depth at that position. I'm assuming he's defensive end at 6'4". Um, with that weight, I don't see him being on the inside. But uh, that's just my opinion. I, I literally know nothing about this guy other than um, they picked up – that he was kind of recruited. I see it a lot at Kentucky, guys that are recruited over, especially with the one-and-dones in our basketball team. Uh you can have a great player, but you like this other player better, and they come in and just sometimes talent just overtakes hard work. You know what I mean? Uh, and I and I feel like that was the case with him in Buffalo. Do you have anything on him, Jordan? Or I have two little factoids because I look. I'm honest about it. I didn't watch a player very much. I didn't watch a player very much. I don't watch a lot of Syracuse football. Uh, but I do know that he was essentially the B rusher on the Syracuse squad. Syracuse had a defensive end that was taken either this year or last, forgetting the name, uh, that was the primary player. This was just the uh, guy opposite of him. And then the second little factoid about him is that, and this is where I think Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean are good talent evaluators. That's why they had him there as their uh, UDFA class. But what just a little Google search will tell you he was the number one overall pick in the CFL draft. Um, so not that the CFL all of a sudden compares to the NFL, but clearly they thought that he was the best player they could have grabbed in a draft. And so certainly it seems like the athletic talents there, they're probably betting that if we can get coach him up, he may be a diamond in the rough that we can uncover. That's about all I know about him. Yeah. Well, speaking of Syracuse, I want to give a shout out to Badge, our guy Badge. He's a big Syracuse fan. They played Louisville yesterday. His college season is here, and they beat the crap out of the Louisville Cardinals, which is it's always L's down over here. I hate Louisville, always will. Uh, so definitely shout out to my man Badge, and shout out to the Syracuse Orangemen for taking care of business in the ACC yesterday. <laughs> Okay. You so, got anything, Chris? Or? Uh, not really, mate. I'm I'm a bit like you. I don't really know much about the guy. Um, obviously he's been brought in brought in for you know a bit more competition on the offensive ends. Uh, I mean, do you think he's been brought in to sort of compete against uh, 99s at Gibson, who sort of ended up playing like the full game last week? Oh, I don't think so. I think Gibson's. Uh, yeah. A bona fide it's, it's, I think he's, he's going to be a guy that we're looking in a year. I think he's in the last year of his contract, if not next right, year. Right. So he's going to be – Gibson's going to be playing for that contract. And I, 
I he's a guy I'm rooting for as a former fifth yeah. round pick out of field that just works his ass off to get on the field and 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 continue to ascend. I mean, he took Khalil Mack's spot last year when Khalil went on IR, and to me, earned the right for them to look into trading Mack. So Gibson's definitely a guy that I'm that I'm rooting for and uh, hope he gets that extension. Uh, and yeah, continues same to for the So we got one more guy on here that I have on this list, and it's uh, Josh Blackwell, slot corner. Um, he's bounced around the NFL trying to find a home after being undrafted last year. He's <clears throat> He's cheaper than Duke Shelley, and that's kind of the spot where he's going to be taking over, I believe. Um, he's got a lot, a lot to prove to try and make this roster. And let's be honest, if you've looked at the injury report, we are hurting at corner. We have a bunch of guys out. We had uh, Tavon Young, the guy we signed, goes on IR. He's going to miss the year. I think he went on IR before it was just the four-game IR. So he's going to be out the year. Um, we've got Kyler Gordon's missed a ton of practices and stuff. Um I, you know, Jalen Johnson is the only one you can point to and say that's definitely that's that's the dude. Uh, so, more competition they bring in, the better. And I don't again, I don't know much about this guy, um, but I mean, we need bodies at that position and great corners. You're not going to find on the waiver wire, regardless mm-hmm. of where that because in 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 today's NFL, you've got. Your, your guys that are getting paid. When we saw this with the Roquan thing, our defensive ends, corners, maybe a safety if they're like like an Eddie Jackson was when he got paid, like Derwin James is, and those type of players. Those are the type of guys that are getting money in this league. So you're not going to see a lot of people give up on a cheap option at cornerback unless a guy like this maybe slips through the cracks. You know anything about him, Jordan, or is are you in the same boat with me? Just kind of same boat as you. I don't watch a lot of Duke ball. I know he played football at Duke. I know he's around six foot, one eighty ish. But uh, I, if there's one thing I know about him, I know he's an athlete. Um, I know that obviously Howie Roseman likes his athletes, and it's a pretty decent talent evaluator by all accounts. So uh, was getting some traction in Philadelphia. He may have been cut, but then brought back as a guy that this is an example, if you're in UDFA and they cut you, they're bringing you back. At least they want to still see more of you. So just think it's polls once again, swinging on an athlete and seeing if they can get something out of it. Don't know too much more other than that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, maybe, I pretty much maybe we'll see on special teams. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty much the same as you guys on, on the, on this, this, this player. We all sound like the worst pundits in the world. Cause we got, <laughs> <laughs> But well, this is, it's this. but like you say it's it's uh yeah the art of blagging in it that's what it is uh Jordan the art of the blag mm-hmm. um but like uh no I think it's just another body to bring in because like you say yeah see we we got so many injuries in that position at the moment that you know just to get a bit of depth for that group is is something what we need so it'll be interesting to see how it works out for the guy I'm not expecting too much but. Like you say, it's like you said, AC, you know, you're not going to get 
the top quality cornerbacks through the wave. Is, uh, he's definitely he's been definitely being brought in as another body. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think so. And uh, AC Adam was in the chat. He said he's fast as fuck, so he's uh, right. He's an athlete. Maybe we'll see on special teams if he's a good tackler. Um, just like Jordan said it perfectly, just taking a swing on an athlete, see if he can fit and and see if he can fill a need. Because as I said, we're we're hurting at corner. We got mm-hmm. a, a ton of injuries, a ton of guys on that injury report. Um, before we move on from the roster, was there any cuts that you guys saw that kind of surprised you when they first happened? Um, I don't want to take any names, but there was really only one name that stood out to me. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first, Jordan, and then Chris. There was anybody that got cut that you were surprised by, and then and then I'll try to well, put a bottom on it. <laughs> I'm going to take a guess and say I know that it, your name is going to be Mario Edwards, um, and yeah, because <laughs> that's everybody saying it. I. <laughs> I'll give a little bit of context there. I certainly agree. I think that was one I was a little bit shocked by because he's been disrupt. He's been a disruptive player in the past. He's had, I mean, I'll never forget. He was the guy that got penalized and maybe fine for sticking his finger. Didn't, didn't poke Aaron Rodgers, but kind of like pointed his finger inside his face mask. And all of a sudden it was a big deal. But uh, clearly when you look back at that situation with him being cut, it's very clearly one, one thing or the other. He was either not playing because he knew he had a roster spot. The coaches said, we got a role for you. You're good. You don't need to work. You're, you're established. Or, which I think was what we were all assuming, he's good. He's not playing because he's, he's got his role. He's safe. Or you're not playing because you don't buy in. You're not a culture fit. We don't believe in you. We don't have a role for you. You're hurt. Uh, things of that sort were a great example, and this kind of expands to it is, I thought that Thomas Graham showed enough last year and it sounded like he had had enough of a rapport built with this coaching staff in the off season that even with the hamstring injury that's kept him out the entire preseason, that he would maybe be kept over a guy like Jalen Jones, who had a few times where he got cooked this preseason. And what you're seeing here is that I think this is goes to the Mario Edwards point and I'll kind of use my one selection for, I guess I'll, I'll give you kind of a half, Thomas Graham and Charles Snowden would have been the two guys I was a little bummed to see go. And when I think about those individuals, Snowden played, but Graham, what it says is if you're not playing in the preseason, you don't have any merit to stay on this roster. And that's, I think, what happened to Mario Edwards. That's what happened to Thomas Graham. That's what happened to Tavon Young is a little bit of an interesting scenario because now he's on IR. But if you didn't play in the preseason – I'm not keeping you on the roster. You did absolutely nothing to show me why you deserve to be here. And I think that's what happened to Mario Edwards. Go ahead. Yeah, Chris. I mean, I mean Ma- sorry, 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 mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mario Edwards was the main one for me just due to, like, it would just, you know, it would, it would just brought a bit of experience because, you know, the centre of the, the defensive line to me is still a bit of a worry. Um, and I thought, you know, it was consistent, like, like Jordan said, you know, uh, it dis- it was a good disruptor. I actually thought Jordan were going to say that the guy tried to put his finger up uh, Aaron Rodgers' ass. That's what <laughs> you were going to say. <laughs> Not inside his helmet. I thought he was going to say he tried to put his finger up his ass or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's the only one what really surprised me. Uh, AC is uh, is Marion Edwards. A lot of them, I never thought they were going to get get to the final fifty-three. What what we cut. 
Um, so yeah, that was the main one for me. Yeah. Yeah, that was the biggest one that I saw. Uh, I did want to throw J-Rock's comment up here that he was loafing in practice and complaining his legs hurt. Uh, maybe he can right. go play for the Chicago White Sox because their legs are all hurt for some reason. I'm not sure what's going on out there on the south side. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just had to make a little dig. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was surprised that the uh, – just because he has so much experience. Um but this yeah. this roster was one of the oldest, and it feels like Poles is turning it into one of the youngest in a short period of time. So these guys that are have been in the league for a long time and are kind of hanging on with their past experience, um, Poles is, seems to be trying to get younger guys in there with maybe close to – the same um, talent level. And another thing to think about is the hits philosophy. I know uh, they talked to, I think, Jalen Johnson about it. And he was like, you know, at first I thought it was just kind of something corny. And, but once I bought in and we've seen it through the preseason, granted it's preseason, mm. uh, but we've seen guys fly into the ball, getting turnovers, gang tackling, Big, big things, even as far – because they, they're I know on 670 the score, they were like, how does this apply to the offensive side? When you see offensive linemen finishing tackles, you see Tevin Jenkins, as, as Jordan has pointed out, burying guys, getting to that next level. That's how the hits philosophy applies to the offense. Um, mm. And I feel like with a younger roster and guys who are have something to prove – they're going to buy into that hits philosophy more than a guy that's been in the league for 10, 15 years. And it's just like, you know, been around, or even if they've been with one organization for a long time, I feel like these younger guys are going to buy into that more because they're fresh out of college. This sounds a lot like a college, a college thing, the hits philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people shat on it when it was first said, but as a military guy, uh, Bobby Bombs can attest to this as well. We have acronyms for everything in the military. So it kind of – I liked it, but it, it seemed it seemed kind of – I don't know the word. Like they shat all over it on, on all Chicago radio, which I feel like that's what they do, which I guess it works because they get listeners. They get me to tune in, even though they're shitting all over my team every week. <laughs> But uh, I definitely think that had something to do with it, that just the, the age of Mario Edwards. And, again, like Jordan said, he's been known for a 15-yard penalty here or there, and I don't see how that's going to fly with Eberflus. I think he'll, he'd be riding the bench, and that wouldn't go well for anybody. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and Jordan also touched on Thomas Graham III, or is it junior Thomas Graham jr. Um, with what we just talked about the amount of corners that we have hurt. I definitely thought Thomas Graham was going to make the roster. Maybe they put him on IR to miss the first four weeks. Um, but they just straight up cut him. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we only really saw him, excuse me. Sorry. I'm struggling over here. <clears throat> 
We really only saw him against Minnesota um, that I can remember. I mean, he played Seattle. He got beat once and then did pretty a pretty good job against DK that week. But uh, I don't know. I guess this new staff, this new regime, they just – once they don't see anything out of you, they just don't want – they don't want you taking up that roster spot while they wait for you to come back just to see if anything happened. And I don't believe he was picked up from anybody as far as waivers. So he could be a guy that they call a month from now or a month and a half and say, hey, you want to come back and and show us what you got if you're still in good shape, if you're ready to go uh, and, and move on from there. So I – I mean, I don't know. Those were the only two cuts that, like, really hit me like, oh, crap. You know, th- this is a guy that I thought had a spot on this roster that isn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I guess that's, you know, I, I'd say we could just wrap this thing up. I mean, we talked about cuts. We talked about waiver wire pickups. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday. Hopefully the whole crew will be here to break down Bears 49ers. Uh, and, and, and we'll go from there, but, uh, we'll, we'll do shout outs and all that kind of stuff. And, and then we'll, we'll put a bow on this thing. Chris, I'll let you go first. Any shout outs or anything that you want to talk about? Uh, obviously the first shout is to you boys. It's a highlight of my week, mate, coming on this show and, and chatting bears football with you fellas and telling you, and also as well is just think by Thursday, the NFL is back. It's fucking yeah. bat, baby. You know what I mean? I can sort of smell it in the air. You know what I mean? I woke up early this morning and it looked like quite a, an autumn sort of morning. It was quite grey and dank. I mean, we are in England. We do have a lot of grey and dank days. But it just felt a bit autumn You know what I mean? I'm like, I can, I can smell the NFL coming, baby. So uh, can't wait for next Sunday show because it's like it's all real now. It's, there's no preseason anymore. There's no trading camp. It's the real fucking deal, man. So bring on next week. And uh, and also thanks for everybody in the chat. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just getting very excited. It feels like you know the night before Christmas. That's how it feels. I feel like I'm about ten years old. You know, waiting for me my favourite Star Wars present to be bought for me for Christmas. So uh, I'm quite giddy. But it's always a joy being with you guys, man. It's it's awesome. So uh, yeah, next week, man. I can't wait. For sure. And you you go ahead and pick it up, Jordan, and and, and give your shout outs. Anything else that you wanted to close out with? Sure. As always, AC, Chris Watts, you guys are jewels to this network. I appreciate you having me on, and love talking Bears football with you guys on Sunday mornings at the crack of dawn here in California. Uh, mid, midday over there in in, in uh, Leeds where Chris is. That's yeah, awesome. You know, damn, damn, damn near noon where you are, AC. But I love talking football with you guys, talking Bears football. And Appreciate you guys it. Let me, you guys let me just run stupid long rants about ridiculous shit, talking about the Vikings and the Raiders. But uh, we have a good time. And you get to learn new sayings. We learned about Tosser today, Wanker last Tosser. week. Yeah, tosser. We're, we're doing we're doing duck it or fuck it. Apparently, <laughs> so, it's it's always fun. Maybe Aldo can cut that. And he can all of a sudden tie some media saying negative things. Going, this is them ducking it or fucking it. But, uh, and then of course, barflies. You you all are excellent. It's 
it, it never ceases to amaze me. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday before call or Saturday before college football, Sunday early morning. It doesn't matter. It's it's I, I was doing shows at 8 p.m. California time, going until 2 2 a.m. East Coast, and there's still people hanging out. So you barflies are always excellent, and uh, we appreciate it. And as per usual, and I know AC's going to get to it, but like, subscribe, share, hit the notification bell, do all that stuff to help Aldo and. Uh, I won't. I'm not going to stop saying it. Uh, God bless you, Aldo. I hope that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he he dealt with a loss recently, and uh, I know that I speak for myself, but also AC, Chris Watts, KB, everybody that's not here at the moment. That we we stand in solidarity with you, Aldo, and we hope that you're okay. Thank you. Yep. Man, absolutely, brother. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I wanted to. <clears throat> I wanted to first do the. Uh, the Aldo, I mean, you said it perfectly, Jordan. We're all we're all praying for him. Uh, if if you haven't heard Barflies, um, well, I don't even know if Aldo wants me to put this out. He put it on social media. I think he's yeah. okay. I thought you'd be all so, right. Uh, Aldo's mother was in hospice, and she did pass in her sleep the other day. So if you are a praying guy, or even just someone who sends good vibes, whatever you believe in, send those over to Aldo. Um, let him know we're thinking about him. We definitely got a lot of love for Aldo here at the Barfly Tailgate Show because a lot of us, we started out as fans, you know, and, and we yep. came on here and he gave us a chance. And I feel like we have a good show. We have good camaraderie. We have good chemistry. And Aldo, the godfather, kind of put that all together. So I'll, I'll forever be grateful for Aldo as a friend and as a almost like a the grandpa I didn't have you know Aldo's Aldo's my guy we met in Cleveland and hung out and if you ever get a chance to meet Aldo he's the same person in life as he is this isn't a gimmick he's the same person in real life as he is on the show just a genuinely great person who will give you the shirt off his back if you need one man so definitely shout out to Aldo and his family um I can remember back to when Phil, Phil and Shane were still with the bar room. They had "What Does Aldo's Mother Say?" So that's the only reference I have of Aldo's mom. She was kind of a feisty uh, woman that didn't take crap from anybody. So we got a lot of love for her as well. Um, and so definitely shout out to Aldo. I wanted to start with him because you know it's a tough time, man. Uh, and it's a roller coaster of emotions uh, because he just became a grandfather himself mm. and then to lose his mother in such a short time that's that's a tough you know life you go through ups and downs and <clears throat> and and right now could definitely be a down but we definitely got a lot of love for you Aldo and I hope you know you're not alone in this uh, if you're going through anything you can always reach out to any of us I'm sure all these other guys would say the same anyone on the network <clears throat> Shout out to you guys for coming on here with Completely me this week. Agree. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, definitely. Um, shout out to y'all coming on here with me this week. Um, shout out to Bobby out there on the Bobby on the boat. He's out there. <laughs> I'm just picturing him with like a with like a captain's hat on, you know, <laughs> an old navy hat <laughs> out, there just, out there just boating and living his best life uh, before he before football Captain season plays next week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh shout out to kb he sent me a text and was like and saying that his uh his daughter was having a tough time this morning so he's on daddy duty this uh, morning shout out to kb for sure um 
Shout out to all the bar flies in the chat. Just like Jordan said, man, it, it never fails, and it and it's insane to see. No matter what time we could go live at three a.m. and there'd be bar flies in the chat. It's incredible, and I love it. Even oh, even yeah. you, Don Burr, deep down inside, you are a bar fly because you are here every week. Uh, shout out, man, Tooch, my guy over here. He said, "Big win for Kentucky." Absolutely, I was out there last night. That's why my voice is dang near gone. Uh, big, the Kentucky Wildcats started out with a big win. Um, a bit of a rebuild at Kentucky because we lost two, three offensive linemen to the NFL, which is a different thing in Kentucky. We're not used to trying to trying to figure it out. It's not Georgia or Alabama where we're, they're used to it every week or every year. Um so we had some growing pains, but I will always I will always be out there at Kroger Field every week uh, cheering on my guys. It was definitely it was an electric win. We had some we had some true freshmen out there making some plays that they did not look like true freshmen. It was pretty awesome to see, honestly. Um, but I'm I'm gonna get off my Kentucky soapbox on that. I just wanted to slide that <laughs> in there before we moved on. Obviously, um, but stay tuned to the uh, to the ballroom radio network here on uh, on YouTube for all of our shows. I know tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, shout out to Joe Mandel. We will be doing our yearly, the annual um, ballroom network fantasy draft. I'll be on there. I know Joe's going to be on there. I think Zim might be able to hop in on there, but it's always fun. We hear a lot of analysis from the guys who know what they're talking about as far as fantasy football. I basically just flush my money down the toilet every year. That's what I do. But uh, <laughs> I try to go on there and be entertaining and, and talk about some of the picks that I know a little bit about. So we'll be doing that tonight. So uh, cool. definitely Tooch says he'll be in there. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about too. Uh, hop in the chat. Let us, you know, go live with us tonight. Um, and moving forward, every Sunday you'll catch the Barfly Tailgate Show right here on the Ballroom Network. Prior to us going live at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, we will have uh, the Goon Fantasy Football Show, and Uncle Mike's going to do a, a, a betting show every Sunday. So he's going to come on and tell you where to put your money to try and make a little extra money. I mean, we could yeah. all use a, little, a couple extra dollars. So Oof. Uncle Mike – Come on here and tell you tell you where to where to where to put that money every Sunday morning to make a couple extra dollars, and that'll be your Sunday lineup. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. John Buffon came back this week. We have, I, I believe, it was Buffon 55 this week. Uh, I got the notification. I haven't been able to check it out yet, but uh, so definitely shout out to John Buffon. We love everything he does with the uh, with the Ballroom Radio Network. Uh, he kills it, man. He's up there in Pittsburgh behind enemy lines and uh, <laughs> rocking his rocking his navy blue and orange with pride. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. You got Crosstown Crosstalk where they talk Cubs and Sox. Uh, the Sox season is still looking up. They have a shot to sneak into the playoffs. Uh, we'll see what they do. So you can definitely check out uh, my guys down at the uh, – South Burbs hit men as they talk White Sox with um, Tony La Russa's, um illness. 
the strange thing that just popped up all of a sudden, that's definitely I'll let them cover that because I just kind of see it from afar. But uh, anything Chicago sports, we got you covered right here in the Ballroom Radio Network. Um, but we're going to get out of here for now, and I will definitely see y'all next week, and we'll end this with a big old bear down. Bear down. Bear down.